You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the visiting Ohio State Buckeyes 71-65 to in a game that, boy, early in the second half when Ohio State jumped out to that 6-0-8-0 run, the whole season really kind of felt a little shaky and felt like it was teetering on the brink. But these Indiana Hoosiers behind excellent second halves from Malik Renew, Xavier Johnson, and C.J. Gunn, and much improved team defense over what we have seen recently, were able to get the lead and then pull away and then hold on there late for the 71-65 win. It moves Indiana to 11-4 on the season, 3-1 in conference play, and is finally a victory over a team that was slightly favored that should help with the metrics a little bit uh, as Indiana actually outperforms uh, what was expected of them. But a lot to talk about. You know, Indiana wins, but still a lot of flaws, especially on the glass. But hey, <laughs> Big Ten play for a team that's been struggling like Indiana. You just take the win and you ask questions later. Uh, but now it's the postgame show, so we'll ask questions now. Uh, but I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips. Galen Clavio is also joining us. The coach, Brian Tonsoni, uh, will be here later. He was at the game tonight. And so let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And I'm going back to, you know, really, I mean, the most pivotal play in the game. Indiana had opened up uh, a 9 or 10-point lead. I think it was 66-56, and Ohio State came battling back with that 9-1 to run. And again, things felt kind of shaky. And so Indiana has the ball. They dribble the possession down. They finally get it to Malik Renew, who had been pushed out near the three-point line by Ohio State. And Malik did what Malik does, which is just take the ball, stay patient, make a good decision. He dribbled his way in, ended up getting all the way over on the left side for an up and under. He scores. That puts Indiana up 69 to 65. And look, sometimes, I mean, in basketball generally, but especially with this team and this program, you just need a dude to go make a play. And Malik Renew is a dude, and he went and made a play as he did so often in the second half. Malik Renew, 23 points overall, but 19 of them. In the second half, and, you know, there was a stretch, uh, you know, in that second half when Ohio State had pushed out to that 8-10 to point lead, and it felt like things were going wrong, and Malik scored four straight points. And this is what he can do for this team. He is the go-to guy, uh, and that was just a huge play there to give Indiana the four-point lead uh, that they would be able to carry forward for the victory. So an excellent game from Malik Renew. And let's talk now about our presenting sponsor. Yep, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. They are now in their seventh season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network and all the shows on the Back Home Network, like Crimson Cast and Doing the Work and X's and Joe's. We really appreciate uh, their support. And the truth is, I mean, don't tell them this, but we'd probably promote them and talk about them, even if they weren't paying to support the show, because Homefield is just great. Uh, they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And one of the things I love about them is even though they're this nationwide brand now and everybody loves them, they're still an IU business. I mean, they're IU at their core. And so since IU is their flagship school, you know that there's going to be more high-quality gear with IU logos from the past always right around the corner. And when they put out something new, usually IU is one of the first schools that they release it with. So it makes sense to follow them on Twitter and subscribe to their text alerts and their email alerts and get on their app 
because you want to make sure that you get alerted so they don't sell out and because they have a lot of flash sales that you can take advantage of. And so whether you're buying for yourself, buying for a friend or family member, there's something there for everyone and they always have opportunities for you to save. And one of those is our promo code, HOME23. You can use that when you go to homefieldapparel.com. That will get you 15% off your entire first order. That is promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com, for the finest in college fashions. Wear one for the team. All righty. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with the doctor himself, Galen Clavio. Uh, Your thoughts on this Indiana victory? It's uh, we were we were talking a little bit before the show started, and there's no argument that you could make definitively about this game. You could say, you know, great win by Indiana, but then you could be like, wow, they rebounded awful, and they blew so many opportunities. You could say Indiana played terribly, but the heart that this team showed, the effort that they showed, I think throughout the course of the game, uh, at least throughout the course of the second half, they give up that big lead, and then they come all the way back and never really lost control of it. And to me, that was because Xavier Johnson was on the floor. Indiana finally had somebody setting the tempo, not just in terms of how the plays were going, but in terms of the emotion of this team. And, you know, to me, it was great to see Xavier not 100% back, but back enough that he could make this kind of a difference for this Indiana team. And you just hope that that opens things up in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. He made, it kind of felt, I know last time, last game was his official return. This felt like X actually being back. Looked much more like himself tonight. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this victory? They're mixed uh, considerably, uh, as Galen kind of pointed to. The the thing I want to talk about, we're going to talk, it's a great win that they were able to get this, to bounce back from Nebraska, to get the win, and and to to do that. We're going to talk about that for the rest of the show. What I want to talk about now is rebounding. And something has to change for this team to be successful moving forward. Even in a win, there are things you have to look at and improve for this team. They have not played a perfect game of basketball yet this year. Indiana gave up 22 offensive rebounds and had 20 defensive rebounds. Rebounding is all focus and effort. And Indiana showed none once shots were up tonight. Six of the rebounds were team rebounds for Ohio State, which means that Indiana just didn't, nobody grabbed the ball. Like, I mean, they're there for the taking and they don't grab the ball or they deflects off an Indiana guy or or whatever. That's inexcusable. That's why this game was close. That's why Ohio State was in it. Ohio State could not hit water if it fell out of the boat in the second half. There were two of 12 from three. This should have been a 10, 15 point win. Indiana let them stay in it. And this has been a theme all season long. And the problem is when shots go up, Indiana's players stand, watch, and wait for the ball while everybody else goes after the ball, works for position, does things like that. I mean, watch the game back, guys. Ohio State's guys just outworked Indiana for most of the night. I think Indiana's effort, I don't question Indiana's effort. They played very hard. I have not questioned this team's effort really all year. They play hard. It's just whether or not they play smart, focused basketball that's going to be the difference between making the tournament and not making the tournament giving up 22 offensive rebounds is the difference between making the tournament and not making the tournament if ohio state had hit anything in the second half indiana may lose this game simply because of a lack of focus and effort and so i'm happy they won i i thought xavier johnson and malik carried the team down the stretch cj gunn had a nice game all of that stuff's great and we're going to talk about that 
But I think the reality check needs to come for Indiana. We should not be saying, oh, great, they won. Like, that should not be internally for this team. That should not. They should be happy they won, but realize we got a long, long way to go. Because right now, they're not in any tournament projections. And there's a reason. And it's stuff like that. They have to turn that around if they want to compete and make it to the tournament. They put themselves behind the eight ball by not winning a big game out of con- in the non-conference schedule. They can't have stuff like this happen. This happens to you on the road. You're losing by 25. And so Indiana's got to turn this around right now. Defensively and rebounding, it just has to get better. And, and again, I know it doesn't sound like it. I'm thrilled they won. Uh, imagine what this rant would have been if they lost. Just take that that into consideration. No, I, don't, but, I don't want to. <laughs> but, but that's just an immediate thing that's so simple to fix, and they've got to fix it. It's, I mean, and Ryan, this is now a three-year theme under Mike Woodson. The rebounding fundamentals have gotten worse. And that's the thing. You know, I think you're right. Indiana does play hard. They play with effort. It's just that their habits are awful in certain awful. instances. There's so much rebounding. fundamentally they do wrong. There is yeah, so I mean, much and, fundamentally they do And wrong. the other thing with rebounding, as you said, I mean, they stand and watch, but even once the ball caroms off, they just reach for it. You know, they don't even really attack it. And it's so noticeable. They're, like, they're, they're, they're honestly timid. They're yeah, very timid weird. and they get pushed around. Yeah. And it's just, no. I mean, especially with their size, that should never happen. But it's, I don't know if they're young or, or what it is, but they just, there's not that aggressiveness to go get the ball. And again, it didn't kill them in this one. It didn't kill them in this one. But if that happens against Rutgers on the road or, you know, whatever, it will. And why didn't it kill them? The biggest reason for turnovers, Galen. And so I think, look, it's perfectly fair to come out of this game, I mean, feeling really bad about the rebounding because the rebounding was awful. But it's really nice to see an Indiana team that, you know, went on the road to Nebraska, played terribly, and just had so many, I mean, turnovers where Nebraska almost didn't do anything. We just kind of gave them the ball, which actually is kind of what Ohio State did a few times tonight. But Indiana, you know, to only have those four turnovers, I mean, that's a 15-point, you know, bounce back or 15-turnover bounce back. That was really great to see. And it was nice to see from Xavier that he was able to be aggressive without turning the ball over. Trey Galloway, especially at the end of the first half when Indiana really needed to make a run, he was able to drive and create without turning the ball over. And that's what this team needs to do, Galen, because, you know, this is not a team that is, you know, this is not going to be a top 25 defense, you know, so they're going to give up points. They don't get a ton of extra efficiency from the three-point line, so they have to maximize every possession. And this was this has to be part of the formula for winning moving forward is minimizing turnovers. And they did it tonight to their credit. And I think more important, you know, the the possessions that they saved by not turning the ball over, they did intelligent things, especially in the second half offensively. We saw for the first time in my memory, at least recently, we saw drives to the basket with drill penetration that got layups. We saw drives that led to kickouts. We saw guys taking shots from beyond the three-point line. Not a ton of them. They only took 12, but they made timely shots. We saw a nice shot fake out of C.J. Gunn. He had a great night. And I think most importantly, you didn't get a great game out of Trey Galloway offensively. You got essentially nothing out of Gabe Cups. But Malik Renew steps up in a big way. C.J. Gunn steps in a big way. Uh, Xavier Johnson, as we mentioned. And Indiana found a way with different offensive options. And I don't think that happens if they turn the ball over as much as they have been, you know, that's the kind of intelligent offensive play that can overcome a bad rebounding night. And, you know, when I think about this Indiana team and I think about the problems that they've had with consistency, what I think is probably at the heart of that as much as anything else is confidence. 
And if you can win a game like this against a good a tournament team in Ohio State, even at home, not playing perfect, that can give you the confidence to perhaps play better the next time out. At least we hope so. I think it's a great point, Galen. I think that confidence is a big thing for this team. And again, it is a young team. They're going to make mistakes. I'm not expecting them to be perfect. But you're right about this turnovers thing. It's very, it's a very obvious thing. You look at it. Ohio State, we're talking about the rebounding, had 24 second chance points. Indiana had nine. If you look at points off of turnovers, Ohio State, five. Indiana, 22. There's your difference right there. It's Indiana was able to capitalize on Ohio State's mistakes on turnovers and Ohio Indiana didn't make enough mistakes on turnovers for Ohio State. So that essentially canceled each other out. And then it's, you know, it's a two point advantage for Indiana. And then it just comes down to doing the other things. And 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 Indiana scored in the second half, made its shots, made its big plays and Ohio State didn't. And that's what happens. And, and that should be the formula at home. The other team is not going to play as well as you are. It's about not making the mistakes to keep them in it. And so kudos to Indiana, the guys who did play hard at play well in that second half, they really brought it home. And, and I, I, I just think it was almost a two man game for that last five to seven minutes. I mean, everybody on the floor did what they were supposed to do when it came down to it. It really helped to have a senior leader with the ball in his hands. You're not having Gabe cups or, or Trey Galloway, who's while he's a senior, that's not his best position is leading, you know, the is dribble driving off the break, you know, and, and running pick and roll and things like that. You get that a little bit with him, but that's where Xavier Johnson eats. So, I mean, it just felt, it was a completely different time. I mean, guys like Ware and, and uh, Mbaka weren't on the floor for about seven minutes there and they didn't need them because no. those two guys were playing so well. Yeah, well, and look, we have to talk more about Xavier Johnson. It is the biggest storyline coming out of this game, Galen, because he changes everything for this team. And if he's going to play like this, then, you know, what we've seen basically over the last month and a half from this team isn't indicative of what we will see moving forward. Because you had a guy tonight that was able to attack north and south, put pressure on the defense. He was able to minimize some of the really bad decisions that we saw against Nebraska. And the other thing you have is a perimeter guy who can get to the free throw line and make free throws. He got to the free throw line 11 times. Now, you know, it's like he lost his legs at the end and was really short on him, and that's understandable. You know, but 8 for 11 and the three assists, zero turnovers from him. This is what Indiana needs from him. And he looked really uneven to me in the first half, you know, kind of like he did early in the season where it was disjointed and he didn't really know what to do. It's almost like in the second half, he was just like, F it. I'm playing Xavier Johnson basketball, and – but still doing it while keeping it within the structure of the team. And, and I mean, we talked about it all offseason. That is what this team has to have. And so if this is going to be indicative, and again, we know with Xavier Johnson, sometimes, you know, what you saw one game is not what you're going to get the yep. next game. And so we don't want to overreact. But when they get this, then they can win important games. And we haven't had this, which is why we, you know, haven't played as well as we did in the second half. Yeah, I mean, well, the defense from Xavier Johnson was also very important in this game. It gave them, especially in the second half. I mean, Ohio State in the second half shot 28.2%. They were 11 of 39, and that was a lot of shots from guards. Uh, I mean, Gale ended up 3 for 17 in the game. Bruce Thornton was 4 for 17 in the game. Um, You know, the, the leadership that Xavier Johnson at his best provides this team extends to both ends of the floor. And again, it also provides a mentality and a direction. And so often what we've seen over the course of all these games that Xavier Johnson's been out is Trey Galloway trying to fill that void and overdoing it constantly. And what you saw from Trey Galloway tonight was him stepping back offensively. He didn't have a great shooting night, but he had seven assists and one turnover. 
Xavier Johnson had three assists, zero turnovers, but really was the lead offensive guard. And I think ultimately, if Woodson's system works, if you can have two guards playing like that, that opens up so many opportunities for Malik Renew to do what he needs to do down low. This is where the pieces come together. Now, I don't know if we would have seen this against Kansas or against Auburn or against those other teams. I mean, I think there's some flaws uh, that that still need to be worked out and would have been ha- worked out or had to have been worked out with the, uh, without the injury. But getting him back and getting him up to speed is going to be so critical if Indiana wants to do anything towards getting to the tournament this year. And I think this game shows you why on both ends of the floor. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, on your point, Galen, about the defense and the pressure defense. I mean, Indiana hasn't really had pressure defense from a guard in a long time because it was so fragile with cups and Galloway. They couldn't really get up into guys. They kind of had it because if they foul out, what, what do you got? Right. You know? And, and so I think that this was a chance for Indiana to maybe play a little more pressure. And if you look at the second half, uh, Gail and Thornton were four of 22 combined and went Oh, of seven from three point range. Now, some of those were wide open looks they missed, but that happens when you're on the road. You don't shoot as well on the road as you do at home. And that's that led to them shooting 28%. You had two guys shoot 22 shots in the second half and only make four of them. Now, the defense and making them uncomfortable. I thought Indiana started the game really well offensively, looked like they had some energy, and then they kind of let Ohio State get comfortable with open looks. Battle hit one, Thornton hit, 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 hit a pull up in the lane, and they just settled down, got real comfortable. If you let a team that with guys who are shot makers get comfortable, you're in trouble for at least for a while until they're not hot anymore. And both those guys got hot and buried Indiana for a little bit in the first half and then start the second half. Then the defense started ratcheting up. Again, they gave up a lot of open looks, but the effort and energy was there. Those guys were getting chased. They were getting closed out on as opposed to just standing wide open by themselves. It changes the dynamic and and having X there is a massive difference. Now, I feel like we got more, much more of the real X tonight than you got the other night at Nebraska, just because he's got, it's going to take him time to get comfortable. I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles in his next game. And then the next game after that, he's better. And it starts to be better, you know, like a trend upward moving on. Um, but it just, it does change the dynamic for this team completely when he's on the floor and when he is available to not only defend, but also, as you said, go North and South. The other guy we need to talk about here in segment one is CJ Gunn, who had one of his best games as a Hoosier, really other than the Michigan game, probably his best game as a Hoosier finishes with 10 points. Interesting stat. You guys realize only three players scored for IU in the second half. X, yeah, I did Malik realize that. The only Nothing guys- from where? Nothing from no, where. Not, well, and we need, we'll talk about where later well. because big t- opposing Big Ten teams are going to start just trying to bully him and play tough with yep. him, and he wasn't ready for it tonight. Didn't but that him. also is part of the point, which is, you know, I mean, Ware still played 31 minutes, but they're down the stretch. Mike Woodson was happy to go with the three-guard lineup with C.J. Gunn, who was playing better defense than McKenzie Mbako and, you know, was able to kind of score and replace some of the production you didn't have with Mbako out there. But then you saw Anthony Walker out there some, you know, playing with just one of the bigs, which did help to open up, you know, some different things offensively. But, you know, back to C.J. Uh, Galen, I think this was a really important game for him just because we had to have his points to score. I also think it was an important game for what it says about his mentality because he had his spot from the rotation basically pulled the last two games and must have had a couple good you know days of practice because Mike Woodson put him in in the first half and he stepped up and hit the shots that he got. 
I think probably had one ill-advised long two. You know, otherwise all the shots were good um, and played better, more focused defense than we've seen from him. And you're going to see these ups and downs from young guys, but for him to not get discouraged and come back and play like this when Indiana needed him, that's a great sign for a young player. Sometimes coaches know what they're doing when they bench players <laughs> regularly. And, and, it, and, you know, I think we've gotten used in this era to thinking that, well, if a guy loses his spot, he's going to sulk and he's going to quit on the team and he's you know going to look to transfer immediately. And we do see that sometimes. But and look, I, I've been as critical of C.J. Gunn and his play as anybody. I think deservedly so. He's been impossible to keep on the floor at times. He was impossible to keep off the floor for Indiana in the second half of this game. And and you know, some of that was because Mackenzie Mbaka was struggling so much with his defensive assignments and, and being able to be in the right position. And CJ, for whatever reason, was locked in on that end and I thought played really well defensively. And that's why he stayed on the floor. The offense came a bit later and it's like he hit that first shot. I think it was the baseline out of bounds play. And from there, you could see things starting to slow down a little bit for CJ. And look, I've put on Twitter, like this is the CJ gun we've been waiting for for a long time, basically since he got here. You got a little bit bit of that Michigan game. You get it here in just as key of a moment. And again, much like we talked about with Xavier Johnson, if you can get 15 to 20 solid minutes out of CJ gun off the bench, it takes so much pressure off of having to have Mackenzie Mbako produce or having to have Trey Galloway produce every single minute that they're in. Uh, it just gives options. And, and so I'm really pleased for CJ certainly deserves the focus and, and just, you just hope he can build on it as he moves forward. Ryan, your thoughts on both CJ and then what Mike Woodson did, you know, with the lineup in the second half, which is what we've seen a lot from him, which is he he'll play around in the first half and then he rides the hot hand in the second half. Yeah, I, I think we, we did text during the game and I said, you know, I, I'm the only thing I was curious about is how long he would stick with it just because the guys were playing a lot of minutes and, you yeah. know, you need a break at some point, especially when it's a guy who's not used to playing as much as CJ Gunn was playing or, you know, Anthony Walker's done that a little. So I didn't feel as, as concerned about that because Anthony Walker was in with that group the whole time. He didn't score, but he was in with that group the whole time and, and was definitely using his athleticism defensively. Um, so he I was curious. A lot harder on battle. I, I would sure. agree. And just with his length and athleticism and, and just being kind of in his back pocket a little bit. Uh, but so I, I was curious if he would sit CJ for a few minutes and then bring him back in for that last stretch. He really didn't. I mean, Abaku came back in for a minute. Uh, Ware came back in for a little bit, but they, he really stuck with that group. As far as CJ, I, I, I do think for him, we talked about it after the Nebraska games. He and Banks just need to firmly understand their roles they are not expected to score 10 15 points a game so when they come in they don't have to force their offense be energy guys on defense and then be an option on offense and when you're open do something we've seen cj come in catch the ball guarded take two dribbles and pull up from 18 feet it's like that's not your game dude that's not we don't need that from you except in the all sub lineup he kind of had to do that and he didn't, I, I, he that's finally fair. played with starters which is what we've been that's, asking for that's fine and and that's completely fine the all sub lineup i mean we don't know what you know needs to happen there i mean like so, you know there's there's no answers there but it that's not his game you know what i mean like he's a guy who's gonna hit hopefully hit an open shot He's got to have more confidence of his three. He passed up a couple threes and then he finally hit one later. He's got to have confidence to just take that shot. Just let it rip. Um, and, and he, you know, he had a pull-up jumper that he hit at one point, you know, where battle was closing out to him and he ball faked and took a dribble and pulled up and he, and he hit it. 
But man, let that three go. He wasn't that close to you. You've got athleticism. You can rise and fire over him. And, and so we got to get him to a point where he's able to take that shot. But defensively is where I was really impressed. His energy, because he, he made that pull of Jeremy. Then he came back down, almost had a steal, you know, went out of bounds. Ohio State needed to talk it over. I, 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 I it feels like when it clicks for him, you see the potential just this. We need, we need this guy. Indiana had 13 bench points. He had 10 of them. They need bench points, you know, like desperately need bench points. Just be this guy. And the thing is, is that if you come in and you play within what you're capable of, as opposed to trying to do so, you'll get the minutes. He got 24 tonight and he was just letting the game kind of come to him. And that's such a cliche, but it's true. You don't need to be the primary scorer when you're on the court. Just be available, make yourself available and take advantage of your opportunities. And this is what happens. You play 24 minutes. That message needs to go to Caleb Banks as well. Take advantage of the opportunities. Go get an offensive rebound put back. Go, you know, run the baseline, back cut a guy on the baseline, get a lob, dunk it. If you have a wide open driving lane, go take it. But don't force it because if you force it, you just bury yourself further on that depth chart. Hey, you want playing time? Go be the guy who's going to rebound. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> Odd. Just be Rodman. Just pretend you're Rodman. We don't need just, anything from yeah, you. Just go rebound. I mean, seriously. Um, all right, here, before we break at the end of segment one, I just want to give a, a, a quick reminder to subscribe to our Substack and to subscribe to the Crimson Cast Substack. Uh, we're both uh, over there, you know, using it a lot for content, for not only podcast updates, but we've got Tony Adranya's IU Film Room. We've got Coach's Coach's Corners. We've got the postgame 321 that comes out the morning after every uh, game. So come subscribe. There's plenty of stuff there for free. Uh, both Crimson Cast and Assembly Call have premium options as well. Um, and one of the great perks of the premium option is you get access to the private Back Home Network Discord, uh, which Galen, I have just found to be awesome. <laughs> just a much more pleasant way to kind of follow the action. And it just the, you know, the, the beauty of Discord is just the organic conversations that pop up in any channel at any time. Uh, and so if you're a serious IU basketball fan, we'd love to have you in there with us. And by being a premium member of our Substack, you can get in there. So any, uh, any quick words on Substack or the Discord before we go to break? Everything he said. No, it's it's great. It's it's a self-selected group of IU fans, uh, and you know it's it's moderated, and that's something that unfortunately we need in 21st century <laughs> internet society. I think we've finally come to that conclusion. Yes. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, look who is Woo. here. Joining us live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. We'll get his opening thoughts, and then we'll break. The coach Brian Tonsoni. Coach, your thoughts on this uh, very very important and much needed Indiana victory. Yeah, just that. I think it was extremely important for Indiana to find a way to win tonight, and, and they did. And they did so, I thought, with defense in that last 15 minutes. Uh, they really shut down the three-point shot, only two out of 12, or it's close to that statistic in the second half. And, and I, I thought they forced Ohio State into some tough twos and some tough shots and, and some key turnovers, which led to points. The points off turnovers was the plus side. We can talk about that in the numbers, which kind of offset the lack of rebounding on the other end. But I just thought it was a nice, nice win. It, it's good to see guys, you know, last time we had Leo come in, he had a good effort. Tonight it was CJ Gunn. This team just needs consistency. So tonight was a good step to rebound from the Nebraska debacle. And you get a key win at home where you're protecting home court and then learn from it, uh, the negatives and the positives, and then go forward and, and try to be more consistent in play uh, so you can string together more of uh, of these types of performances. 
I'd say we bounced back from the Nebraska game. I don't think we can actually say we rebounded from the Nebraska game. Coach Woodson. Coach Woodson did say they rebounded from the negative game. He's wrong. Uh, maybe I just he's wrong too. So I'll go down and tell him. Uh but but that's his comment. Maybe it's stuck in in, in my head. Yeah, we Alrighty. sure as hell didn't rebound anything. No, no. Good to have your coach coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's six-point win over Ohio State. We'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen... Make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. We've heard that like 50 times, and it never gets it's old. It's never it's not funny. <laughs> I love that. I love the end. Take, I, would, I really want to know. Like. <laughs> The yeah. best is at the end where he's like, we'll talk soon. Gee, yeah. no, we won't. We're never going to talk. <laughs> it was a cameo. He actually ad-libbed a decent portion of that. It was, That's, it's that was the funniest Best part. money we've ever spent. Yeah. That. No question about it's it. It's almost as good as Deron Davis. Deron Davis <laughs> yeah. never gets old. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, a very happy episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show as Indiana wins. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, the coach Brian Tonsoni, and Galen Clavio, and it is the top of segment two, so it is time for meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yes, this segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans to learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. Okay, going to be a little good and a little bad here in this meaningful moment, Coach. Uh, I'm going to go to the end of the first half, where you know Ohio State was nursing a five- or six-point lead. And again, it just kind of felt like after that nice start by Indiana, where Indiana got up you know, to the 15-8 to eight lead, Ohio State really controlled things from there. 
And, you know, it really felt like the final three to four minutes of the half would be important to just build some momentum. And to Indiana's credit, they did. And a lot of it was because of Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson. Um, you know, down the stretch, Trey, you know, had a steal that led to a transition dunk by C.J. Gunn. He had two or three assists. He had a big rebound. I think he got a transition bucket himself and just did a lot of little things that either got a bucket for him or that set up his teammates. And then Xavier Johnson closed it out by getting to the free throw line. I think he made a three-pointer. And so those two guys, you know, where there's been kind of this void in the senior leadership and production, those two guys really stepped up at the end of the first half to give Indiana a 37-36 lead with nine seconds left. And it really felt like, hey, we've got the momentum going in here to the to halftime. And then, Coach, I don't know what the heck we tried to do with all the fouling. Like, we only had three fouls, so I get it. You've got fouls to give. You know, you want to foul them and don't let them get into stuff. Don't let them get an easy shot. And what ended up happening is Trey Galloway picks up two fouls and then quickly picks up his third in the second half. And it didn't hurt Indiana, ultimately, because we won the game. But that is the kind of thing that if we had lost this game and Trey gets in further foul trouble, you're looking back on it as absolute coaching malpractice that didn't put this team in a good position. So really happy with kind of the way the guys battled back at the end of the first half. But whatever we did at the end there with the fouling needs to go into the, the trash can and never be brought out again because it was terrible. Well, it actually is good strategy. It was just poorly coached and poorly well, executed. Sure. So don't talk about the strategy, throw it in the trash can. Talk about executing the strategy yeah. better and maybe practicing it. It, it looked like yes. it wasn't practiced and – the, all the assistants and the head coach were up talking to various people during the timeout. They put Mbako in, uh, or they, they brought Mbako over, and it was just a, a cluster of information. Yes. And obviously, the message didn't get to Mbako. He fouled with no time coming off or a little bit. Later on, Walker fouls and gives him a baseline out of bounds, which you don't want to do there. And so I don't think they have really practiced those situations. And, and some coaches believe in practicing situations, and some coaches don't. I, I mentioned in our chat, I just watched some segment on Big Ten Network, and Bo Ryan was talking about the old Bo Ryan, that they practice situations every single day. He would just pull one out of a jar and, and, and practice one. It looked like they didn't practice it at all. So I don't well, mind that's what the I decision mean. to do that, but the right. whole, if you're not going to practice it or the guys aren't going to know it, don't use it. But it's like when, whether you're going to foul up three or not. It's like do what you've practiced. Like the, uh, yeah, a right. pivotal game at the end of the first half is not the time to just F around and find out and just try something new. So that's why I had a big pro problem with it. Yeah, um, one thing about that, too, I, I want to say before we get to Galen's meaningful moment is the, the worst part about that for me was not the decision to foul. And I agree. It looked haphazard. No time came off the clock. On, you know, but then Anthony Walker, who's a senior fouls a guy without any time coming off the clock. Maybe that's an accident. You bump into a guy, whatever. Then they get a shot off and Trey Galloway with less than a second left battles for a rebound when he doesn't have position. It's like, you're a senior, man. You got to be smarter than that. You, you worked really hard to come back and take this lead and you're jumping up and contesting a rebound where you are completely out of position with less than a second left. You need to know time and score. You need to know, what do I do if the shot goes up and it's in my neighborhood? There's no way that Zed Key could have gathered that rebound, come down and gone back up with the amount of time left and Galloway challenges for the rebound. That's just, that's mentally a dumb thing to do. So I would say like, that was the most disappointing part about that sequence for me was the two seniors committing fouls when they didn't have to, you know, the other part, you're right. Practice that, make sure everybody knows instinctively 
they can look up at the fouls and say, okay, I got a foul here, you know, with, with after four seconds, I got a foul or something like that. But the other part is your seniors have to lead by example. And that was a sequence that was real bad for Nia's leadership. You needed Leal in the game. Put, put Leal in the game. Agree. He would yeah, have known really. exactly put what Put Cups to do. in the game. Plus, if Leal or Cups foul and they foul twice, you can live with, with them being in foul trouble. And I know well, Galloway Cups, is going to stay in the game in, the game in that game. situation. Cups or was he? Yeah, game. okay. Yeah, he came in for but us. Put Leo in. Talk about intelligence and, and knowing what to do and, and put him on the ball, the first guy to catch the ball in and tell him when it gets to half court, foul. It, it, it could have been that simple. Yeah. Galen, thoughts on that or meaningful moments from you? I, I have nothing more to add on that that's either relevant or true. So I'll just move on. Um, so, no, the, the, this might have not been missed, but it was certainly meaningful. Ohio State, Jamison Battle hits that three. Uh, early in the second half, and Ohio State's on like a 10-0 run. It's 46-37, and then Indiana misses a shot. There's a foul on Mbako, and there's the sequence that happens where Roddy Gale takes a three, misses it. There's an offensive rebound, but then Malik Renew steals the basketball, goes down the floor, gets an offensive rebound, and scores, and then gets the next defensive rebound, which leads to the next sequence, which is a basket by Malik Renew. To me, like that sequence completely turned the game around and it essentially was where Malik Renew started to take the game over for Indiana. And I think, you know, Malik Renew's had three games in his career at IU where he's gone over 20 points and they've come in the last four games. He had 14 against Nebraska, but he had, he had what, 25 and 33 or whatever it was in the previous two. And then he has whatever he had in this one, uh, you know, uh, 2023 again, I think it was. So, Malik Renew right now to me, I think what we're watching is like the full blossoming of a player into a guy who becomes the guy when you need him offensively, but he's contributing in other ways. And for him to do that in that sequence on both ends of the floor on multiple possessions, if Indiana doesn't get that, I don't know if we're sitting here talking about Indiana having won this game. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. That was a huge, huge stretch from Malik. Coach, thoughts on that? And then any other moments from you before we hit numbers? Yeah, because the last 15 minutes, uh, he was dominant on offense. And, and the only thing that Indiana didn't do well in that last 15 minutes was rebound uh, and finish defensive possessions. But their intensity on defense picked up at, absolutely at that point. The last 15 minutes were some of the best defense. Uh, we're staying closer and touching shooters, as Coach Woodson said, uh, and switching better. I, I just thought we're a lot closer uh, to people on the three-point line than we have been previously. I think that, that was a good adjustment. But I think, Galen, you're spot on. A cut, just a small uh, and really me- meaningless moment, but I think a couple of cool moments that that I saw. One, uh, C.J. Gunn hits that three, and it just had to be a relief for the young man, and you feel for him. So he turns, and he, he points up to the crowd with two hands, and then one of the guys on the front row puts out his hand, and C.J. just gives him a five while he's running back on defense, <laughs> which I don't really think you should do. But for a young man who has struggled – uh, awesome. with shooting basketball supposed to be fun coach absolutely an appropriate amount of fun when you do the fundamental things right and you work hard not popping the collar but uh, I caught that and I couldn't help but smile because you know he wants to he wants to play and he wants to do well and pressure is immense in any program but especially in the end I thought that was good and then later in the game when Indiana was shooting free throws he was the one talking to the team, and he was motioning to everyone to get up on the inbound guy. I think it was 12, 13 seconds left. So here's a kid who could 
be just happy that he scored a couple times and is getting some run, but he was into the game at a key moment uh, where he was telling his teammates, we've got to get up and make them run some clock uh, at the end of the game. So those are a couple small things. Um, one's really meaningless, the high five to the fan after a three. But uh, as a big CJ Gunn fan, I had, I had to bring that out. Yeah, but that's a cool moment. That's the kind of stuff that you know that you get to see when you're there live. So that's fun. Reminds me of the time that Thomas Bryant went coast to coast and high fived the entire donor section in the front <laughs> row after doing after he because he went to coast to coast and got fouled. I think. And that's awesome. All right. So as we transition here from meaningful moments into numbers, Ryan, let's talk real quick about a meaningful moment coming up that has something to do with the number, which is. You know, assuming there's not going to be any emergency podcast between now and next Thursday. We'll ignore it. This is episode number 998. Tuesday against Rutgers is episode number 999, which means the Thursday night Simply Call Radio is episode number 1,000 of this show. 1,000 episodes of the Assembly Call. So we will have something fun and special planned for Assembly Call Radio. We just want to let you all know that. And really, most importantly, thank you all for being with us for all of these episodes and for everybody who is here live with this one tonight. Look, so very it much took years to for a lot of them to be with us. Let's see, there, were some, <laughs> yeah. there were some dark days there, Jared. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. So we're looking forward to that, uh, and we'll have more details here coming up. But now it's time to go inside the numbers. Brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington, or the surrounding areas, and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and Chat Mob Hall of Famer, the Queen Megan Mahaffey, and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. All right, let's talk numbers. Ryan, do you want to lead us off here? Yeah, I just think that it's worth pointing out Malik Renew, uh, uh, what he did for this team, especially in the second half. He had 19 points, five rebounds. Uh, went eight of 11 from the field and two of two from the free throw line also hit a three of one of two from deep. Uh, and he played all 20 minutes. I mean, just look at that line. And and that's a guy stepping up when you need him and Indiana needed him in the second half. He scored 19 of their 34 points. And as you mentioned earlier, only three guys scored for Indiana in the second half. And, and so Malik getting those 19 points uh, and, you know, to, to finish the game with uh, what do you have? 23 overall. But he's become the guy. I mean, he's become the guy that they're going to go to. Late, we've always wondered on this team, who's going to be the late shot clock guy? Who's going to be the guy you go to? And, and we kind of assumed that Renew would be that guy starting the season. But it's taken a while. And I think just fitting with Khalil Ware, not having Xavier Johnson, those things, like it just kind of stunts the growth of a team to be, you know, number one, incorporating new guys, but also missing the one guy you're supposed to be able to rely on offensively in, in Xavier Johnson. And so you're seeing it. Malik has no fear going at multiple guys at the same time. He doesn't mind catching the ball in traffic. He doesn't mind catching it with three guys hounding him. He will go up and he knows if he gets it above a certain level, it's going in. And and he's if he has if he gets the angle he wants off the glass, it's going in every single time. And he's got that confidence. And Indiana needed a boost of that confidence tonight because things were not well, going well in the first half, and things were not going well to start the second half. And what happened? Malik got in there and basically, basically called for the ball and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go right there, and I'm gonna shoot it. And there's nothing you can do to stop me." And that's what he did in the second half. And th and that's why Indiana won the game. I mean, it's like we I talked about in the banner moment, Ryan. You know, in that. Indiana's up two. you have that. La I mean, that possession was pivotal. They would have gotten the ball to Malik if five guys were guarding him and his shoes were untied. 
I mean, they yeah. were going to get him the ball, and he was going to go find a way to do something with it, and he scored. And he really has earned a lot of trust that when he gets the ball in those positions, you feel good about what he's going to be able to do. Um, Galen, one other you know number, and, and this kind of piggybacks on some stuff that we've talked about earlier, but 16-4 to 4 assist-to-turnover ratio with assists on more than 50% of field goals. And what we saw tonight was a lot more of the driving and dishing that we've wanted to see. Not always. You know, there were definitely some ill-advised drives. But, you know, with X, and I thought especially with Trey, you saw you you know, you know saw guys who were driving, having a little bit more space. We know in some of those lineups, they didn't have both bigs out there. Uh, and, you know, it really obviously helped Indiana's offensive efficiency. So those two numbers were huge. Yeah. No, I mean, the spacing was was better for the most part in this game. And a lot of that comes from having a guard who can create because that just allows you to have different levels of offense rather than just trying to rely on dumping it down to renew or wear in the post. And yeah, look, I think ultimately a lot of the turnovers Indiana's had over the course of this season have come from players trying to do too much to try to force offense because they can't naturally make it happen through the, their own movements. And I don't think we passed the ball particularly well uh, you know, outside of the post. And so this was a nice balanced approach to offense. And I think you can see, and, you know, to be fair, it's, it's not an Ohio state team that is really designed to make you pay in terms of turnovers. They're actually designed to make you pay in terms of, they get a lot of offensive rebounds. That's one of the things that they do better than anybody else in the country. Uh, but the fact that Indiana gave them so little, uh, you know, it really made all the difference in terms of Indiana's offense working as well as it did. So I'm I'm happy about that. I just want to see that continue because obviously it's hard to trust Indiana's offense when it comes to passing the ball well and putting it in the right position. We got to see it several times before I think we can take a, a little bit of a step back and not worry about that as much. At one point in the second half, I thought to myself, why doesn't Ohio State just come across half court and just throw it off the backboard? <laughs> like, that, <laughs> that almost would have been better for Why them run, run offense at all? Yeah, Shot just toss why, it off the backboard. And go that the was their best offense. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I know. I know. Uh, Coach, what numbers uh, stand out to you? Well, a lot of the numbers are, are embedded in those assist and turnover ratios. Uh, but I thought Indiana scoring off of turnovers – uh, was was the key difference where it offset the points on second chance points of Ohio State. I, I thought that was uh, a, a really the key aspect because when you get beat on the boards like that, you have to find the other points to offset that somewhere. And Indiana's defense and, and really Ohio State, some of their sloppiness led to a, a lot of opportunities on the offensive end. So I thought that was a, a key uh, contributor to the win tonight. Galen? One thing I'll toss in on the rebounds. This was bad. The amount of offensive rebounds Indiana gave up. It, the, the final percentage for Ohio State was 52.4%. They've only had – that's bad. They've only had one other game this year where they gave up a percentage close to that, and it was the Louisville game where they also struggled for a while, and you're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, the, you know, the, the only teams they've really struggled like this against have been hyper-athletic teams or teams that have a 7-4 guy. You know, Purdue did this twice to them last year, and they won both games. Uh, you know, Miami did it to them last year. They didn't win that game. But they have shown, as frustrating as it is for IU fans, as much as it, like, tears at the fabric of our fundamental basketball souls to watch Indiana getting out-rebounded, a lot of times it's not a critical injury to this Indiana team's ability to win games if they do other things right. And so I think as much as it's frustrating, we can't get too hung up on it. Well, it also tends to mean that the team you're playing is missing shots. 
And, and, you know, if they're getting a lot of offensive rebounds, it means they're missing a lot of shots and likely three-point shots. And if Indiana is playing a team that is not making its threes, it's a huge advantage for Indiana. Well, and that leads they to don't, the last... They, they can't match it when they hit yeah. it. So. Yeah. Go, Coach. The, the thing is, for me, that's concerning is the effort in pursuing the ball and the physicality of the blockouts. Yeah. Uh, we so talked about that early. Yeah. That, okay. That, that's, that's just... It's just... I charted it tonight, and... There were enough people in position, but they weren't as aggressive going after. I thought they gave up offensive rebounds when they had better position and even had a body on someone. But their aggressiveness in pursuing the and grabbing the basketball needs to improve. Uh, otherwise, you always then have to find those other stats somewhere, right, yep. that, that'll that win you the ball game. It, it, it's not a clear cut. If you get out rebounded, you're going to lose. But it can it can put pressure on your other aspects of the game if you don't clean that up somewhat. Did you guys? Do you guys know the stat? Alex and Ryan talked about it on podcast on the brink. I think we're being outscored from the three point line. I believe an average of fourteen points per game. Do you guys know? It's it's somewhere around there. I don't want to give the wrong stat. It's somewhere around there. Tonight, Indiana only you know loses the three point line by six points total. But that doesn't even re- really tell the full story because Ohio State took twenty seven three point attempts, and this is a team that was I think top twenty five in the country in three point percentage coming in. So it's a team that has guys who can make shots, and Jamison Battle certainly did, making 5 of 10. But the other guys go 2 for 17. And from Indiana, another And Jamison Battle was playing Indiana, so of course he crushed us. It's well, just what he does. Of course. Jamison Battle is – I mean, he's really one of the, the unique players in the last decade of Big Ten basketball because, I mean, obviously you can make it hard on him to catch, and there are things you can do defensively but he is the best bad shot maker I think yeah, I've I seen. And sometimes you can defend agree. the heck out of him and he just makes the shot anyway. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I, I would say about the threes, what's interesting about, you know, they did go seven of 27 and two of 12 in the second half. They also went four of 15 on layups. Like, I mean, it, so they weren't scoring at the rim to make up for those misses. And I think that that is worth noting as well. Cause if you start missing threes, you got to get the points from somewhere. It's either the yep. free throw line or in the paint. And they did not do that. They didn't finish their opportunities. Some of that's IU's defense. They have, we have, you know, Indiana has size and length and everything. But I will say of that 27 threes they took, I would say a solid 19 or 20 were pretty damn open looks. And they just, they didn't go. But that's the advantage of playing at home. You're playing in your building. You're not comfortable. Is it possible Assembly Hall is no longer a shooter's gym? I, I, I heard home. other teams can't shoot at assembly hall. It's a very odd phenomenon. Awesome. When I was in, when I was in, when I was in college, working for the IDS coaches would come in and say, we hate shooting in this building. Cause it's, it's shaped unlike anywhere else. So the backdrops are different, you know, on the sides, it looks like it's enormous. If you're shooting from straight on that wall is right there. It looks like it's, tight so there's no there's no symmet- there's no symmetry to it and so guys some guys really struggle to shoot there yeah. of course some guys blow us out of the building right. and have done that before yeah. so i you know but coaches used to tell us you know off the record like yeah we hate shooting here you know one thing to remember it's so funny and so interesting how sometimes things that happen early in the season really anchor the way that we feel about a team and so there's been this narrative that indiana just can't make shots well, Indiana is now 34% from three-point range, which is actually in the top half in the country. And since December 1st, we're shooting something like 37 38%, 39%, somewhere around there. Enough. So this team and, – and look, I don't think this team should ever be a high-volume three-point shooting team, but it can be a mid-volume three-point shooting team, and it can take more than 12. 
So I would still like to see more. But tonight, you know, it didn't hurt Indiana. And the fact that they were able to hit, you know, those five, they were timely. You know, Xavier Johnson's threes were timely. CJ's was timely. Man, Khalil Ware had that one, I think, when it was 45-45 in the second half that the roof would have come off the place. Uh, and he missed it. But it was nice. It's been nice to see this Indiana team make threes. It feels Shot like they're starting to build. Tonight. Yeah, it feels like they're starting to build more confidence in it. Now you just like to see it you know, become a little bit more uh, integrated into the offense. Instead of 12, you want about 17. And, yes. and they can do it. They're making enough. You know, it, the, the argument early in there is, well, they're not making them. They shouldn't take more. They're making them now. They should yes. take more. Um, yep. You know, you're right. It didn't bite them tonight. But at some point, they're going to have to step up and, and, and hit those in big games. And, and luckily, they're, they're making the percentage now. It needs to be more of a focus for them. Yep. One other okay. thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to go yes. to the next segment. No, well, what? One other numbers thing that's really kind of odd, but I think really fascinating is Indiana has played their best defense adjusted against the best teams that they've played on their schedule. And they played poorly against teams. They didn't take seriously. This was uh, their adjusted defensive efficiency in this game was 92.9. That's the best game they played since Kansas when it was sub 90, which was the best game they played since Michigan and Maryland. It's just, it's this funky thing, but it's like, they do get more locked in defensively against teams that they feel like they have to play hard against. Which is kind of a sign the, of a young, immature team, right? I mean, so, sorry, Coach, is that what you were going to say? Uh, you said it a lot nicer than I was going to say it. So <laughs> well, no, we, I, think the, I think the people would like to know what your words were going to be. <laughs> this team's mentally soft. Uh, yeah, well. And the outlier, the outlier is mental toughness. And they're a lot better when they're mentally tough on defense and got some transition points and won the game because they were more intense on defense. Uh, and even Coach Woodson said that, and I don't have the, the exact quote available right now, but he said, we got to get it for 40 minutes. You know, I, he said the last 15 minutes were how we were supposed to play intense defense. We were closer to people. And even on the offensive end rebounding, he said he told um, Ware and Renew, you were awful rebounding in the first half. <laughs> that was his halftime. Edit. You were awful. He's been using that a lot lately, uh, that word. Uh but this team is mentally soft, uh, and but they're talented enough that when they are connected and have that mental toughness, they play well. And so that you're going to have that with teams that when the tough opponents come in, it automatically draws their attention, and they're more focused. And then the weak teams, and they rely on whatever they re- rely on. This team has to has to be better connected on and off the court, uh, and it has to take coaching, and the coaching has to make sure all that's happening. But it's a mentally soft team. Tonight, it was – Tough enough to win a game. We'll see when we go uh, uh, travel, Indiana travels to Rutgers, which team shows up. Uh, and it needs to be the mentally tough team in order to win on the road. I know. It's wild how you can play Army, who's in the 300s, Kansas, you know, who's you know in the top 10. This Ohio State team is top 40, Wright State. You know, outside of the Kansas game, which you lost, so many of these games just felt the same when you're playing a team like 300 or 50. So it really is a team, especially at home, that just kind of plays to the level of its competition and has been talented enough to win those games most times. But, you know, at some point, and again, it is a young team. It is an inexperienced team that we knew was going to take time to gel. That time has now been extended because of Xavier Johnson's injury. But there's still a path for this team to coalesce and get better at some of those things. And so hopefully tonight was a step in the right direction toward that all right coming up on the assembly call we're going to hand out our game balls and who's your hustle award discuss a lingering question or two and then we'll look ahead to what is coming up next on indiana's schedule that's next on the assembly call stick with us 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. There's a guy who knows a little something about making threes against Ohio State. Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. Here with the coach Brian Tonsoni, Ryan Phillips, and Galen Clavio, breaking down Indiana's much-needed six-point victory over the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it is time now for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. They want to make sure that everyone knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. And according to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. Pay attention to that, Galen. You're in Monroe County. Uh, contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. Okay. This feels like uh, one of the more interesting Game Ball and Hoosier Hustle Awards because there's three guys who deserve awards and two awards to give out. So let's see where we're going with this. Uh, Galen, we'll go to you first for your Game Ball. Game Ball's Malik Renew. Uh, 23 points. Indiana doesn't win the game if he doesn't play the way that he plays. This, this to me, is is not much of a debate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going with Malik. Uh, just the production and the timeliness of it. And, you know, X and CJ, obviously, are the other guys who had big games. But it was huge for them to be able to follow Malik's lead. And that is just the role that he's playing for this team. Ryan, who gets your game ball? I, I, you know, but uh, Xavier Johnson had a great game, but I'm not giving the game ball to a guy who airballed a free throw. I'm just not. Uh, <laughs> he already apologized on Twitter for that. Totally fine. You know, it happens. It really? happens. That's yes. It happens, but I'm not giving you an award, buddy. I'm sorry. I can't, it, you know, the shot doctor it, in you just won't allow. No, I right? can't, can't just, do it. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think the key to decide here, if it's, if, if you have it in your mind that it's close to even between those two, who had the ball in his hand in the biggest moment? And it was Malik. They went to Malik to and, and he succeeded. And and I think that's why you've got to give it to him again. 23 points, seven rebounds. But I, I do think the most important part of that whole thing is 19 of his points came in the second half when Indiana desperately needed every single one of them. So it's Malik for me. Coach. Yeah, Malik. It's it's a no brainer. Okay. The dude I, need play. I, I do I do want to say though he needs to be more physical uh at times. I Both thought his rebounds were key in the sec- second half, but he needs to be more physical uh rebounding uh the ball and he needs to go when he's out on the perimeter 
uh, and he's contesting, he's got to go try to get a, a you know, five, 10 foot rebound too. That's some of the, the keys there. So he, he was the MVP tonight. He still has some things that, that, that he needs to, to grow. And I think coach Woodson will obviously be, be sharing those, but yeah, he was outstanding tonight. Yep. Okay. Now let's go to the Hoosier hustle award. Hi, this is Anthony Leo, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either. But it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All right. Thank you, Anthony. Coach, who gets your hustle award tonight? I think it has to be Xavier Johnson um, for me. CJ played well, but... I think there were a lot of things, blocks, steals, rebounds, assists, no turnovers. And when you watch, um, whether you're happy with X or not happy with X, uh, the dude goes 8,000 miles an hour. Uh, sometimes that's to his, his you know, uh, a negative of his. But I, I thought uh, he responded well. There was a nice little uh, interchange in different interview rooms where Coach uh, Woodson admitted that uh, X got on him a little bit or they had a little conversation uh in practice or film and even uh Xavier said yeah we kind of he kind of got on me a little bit so I imagine the last two days uh, between coach Woodson and, and Xavier were were something special um but the message was heard and, and I thought that he gave uh a, a lot of hustle out there in doing uh a lot of the little things in the stat uh, box but also just playing really 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 hard to he said he was really really motivated tonight to to prove everyone uh, who was upset with him on Wednesday night uh, wrong, and I and I think he did that. Yeah, and and Galen, I think that you know why this this performance really is perfect for a hustle award because that is what X brought was the pace yeah. and the energy, and you know, and, and that's what's been missing. You know, the competitiveness on defense, um, you know, guarding the ball, and so all those reasons. That's why you know he gets again honorable mention to CJ. He gets my hustle award, and I imagine probably yours too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, I. I'll be honest. I thought he got a little overly criticized for his effort in the Nebraska game. His first game back, nothing else is going on with the team uh, for, for large stretches of that game. And I think, you know, the fact that he brought such effort and energy tonight and didn't let that affect him and just kind of put his team in a position where he didn't take anything off the table. He added a lot defensively. Uh, you know, from an effort perspective, from a hustle perspective, that's what you had to have. And and that's what, when he's been at his best in an Indiana uniform, that's what he's brought every single time. Yep. Ryan, any other thoughts on X? No, I mean, uh, you, you guys covered it. it. It was an all effort performance. And, and you know, what's interesting about his second half, he's only really had one assist, but you felt like he was in complete command of the offense. And, and that's just proof that sometimes the numbers don't tell the entire story of how much a guy provides. And I will say five of eight from the free throw line, you know, gives me the shakes, but he was eight of 11 overall. So we're good, Xavier. Just don't airball one again. 
Yeah, and and look, I think an interesting plus minus note from tonight is that Gabe Cups was minus nine in four minutes, and X was plus sixteen in thirty four minutes. You yeah. know, and I, and I don't I don't want to necessarily talk you know poorly about Gabe. I mean, he was only out there for four minutes. You're only responsible for so much. But I do think that shows the difference in what those two guys can do, especially in a high-level game like this, which Gabe just isn't ready for yet. Um, but X is. He wasn't against Nebraska, but he was tonight. And just a huge, you know, huge hat tip to him and the coaching staff for getting him back ready to go uh, because Indiana needed him and they're going to need him for the rest of the season, you know, playing at this level or close to it. So lingering questions, you know, one guy that we haven't talked a lot about tonight, um, and Coach, I'll start with you here, uh, is Khalil Ware who, when you look in the stat sheet, had zero turnovers. And yet, as I think back to that game, I think back to a lot of possessions that maybe it didn't count as a turnover, but maybe there was a rebound that he went for one-handed and didn't get, or a pass that went to him and it got stripped away, and maybe the turnover went somewhere else or they didn't call it that, or you know, a shot that he put up and just wasn't strong enough and didn't give it a chance. I think you're going to start to see opposing Big Ten bigs really start to play physical with him. And he's going to have to show that he can respond to that. And I thought tonight, he really didn't. You know, Indiana was able to make up for it. And I thought there was even some time in the second half where they played better with him off the court. But that's going to be, I think, a a big kind of next step for him. As he's taken an important step, being able to produce consistently, now he's going to have to deal with other teams really trying to bully him because the scouting report is going to be out on his inability to handle that. And he's going to have to prove that he can. Yeah, he cannot let... um the physicality get him down and and make his effort drop because the one thing we think that he's done since coming here and and, uh, being under coach Woodson is I think he's played hard, Uh, but he's not playing as physical and when people get into him, then he kind of shies away with his game uh, floats, uh, doesn't go through people and then he doesn't block out strong. And, And then you just worry about, is that going to, you know, hurt his confidence? And then you, all of a sudden that starts, you know, sloughing off on how hard he plays. I have not thought once that he wasn't playing hard, but I don't think he plays physical. And, and I think those are two different types of, of actions there. So you just don't want it to cause the other because then he's not going to be very effective at all. Uh, he still is able to do a few things when he is getting bullied, but he's going to have to learn to overcome of that mentally. I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah, guys with his size profile, that really tall and thin profile do tend to get bullied. I mean, even Kevin Durant, when he would try and post up when he got in the NBA, he's an all-time great player, but when he would try and post up in the NBA, they'd shove him out of the out of the paint immediately, and he'd have to shoot a fadeaway or shoot over people. You've seen Khalil kind of switch from going at people to kind of sh- trying to shoot over them all the time. Now he can do that because of his length, but that's not what you want from him. You want him aggressively going at the basket, and taller, thinner guys like that do tend to get pushed around. And Big Ten teams are, you're right, Jared, they're just going to attack him that way. They are going to shove him around. They'll take the foul. They will push him around, and he is going to have to step up to it and push back. I think we're overreacting. Uh, Well, I think, I just think it's the blueprint. Hold on, Khalil Ware, this season, had 11 points and 8 rebounds against UConn. He had 18 points and 14 rebounds against Maryland. He had 13 points and 8 rebounds against Michigan. He had 11 points and 15 rebounds against Kansas. He had 20 points and 10 rebounds against Nebraska. He had a a less than ideal game tonight, but he was taking a back seat to a Malik Renew who was having one of the best games of his career. Uh, You know, yes, 
Certainly, he's a little slighter of frame. I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive, but I also think ultimately he's better. He'd be better in a pick and roll. He'd be better moving in different ways than we're employing him. True. And he has produced in a lot of ways against some really good post players throughout the course of the season so far. I, I would I would hesitate to take too much out of what we saw today. With I think he's and and Galen, I agree with that. He's he's handled it pretty well so far, but it's about to be a consistent thing. And I will say, I think offensively in some of those games against bigger players, he's moved to more of I'm going to turn towards the middle and shoot over you as opposed to try and go through you around you, whatever. And, you know, against Hunter Dickinson, he really struggled to get to the actual rim. And and that's fine. That's a that's a senior who is a big, strong guy. It's it's going to be tough. But I do think that as the season goes along, he needs to grow into being more of that guy than just tossing the ball over people and, and trying to shoot over and maybe go, you know, slightly around because you lose your size advantage when you do that, I think. And so, again, it's, it's who he is. It's what his build is. It's going to be a struggle until, you know, for years, probably until he puts on enough weight to be that size. It's not going to happen in a few months, but you'd like to see him trying because at least if you're trying to go through people to get to the room, you're going to draw fouls when you're fading away. You're not. And so I think that that's part of uh, part of the calculus here. Defensively, I but really to, haven't had to, a problem with him getting pushed around. To Galen's point, he the lack of physicality shows up when he posts up. Yes, but he might be better as a pick and pop four or a rim yes. runner where you're throwing the lob. They haven't like done that with the him. utilization of him yeah. and his skills, and, and then he can develop that over time. But there, you know, the post player on this team is Renew. If you I want agree. a basket in the post, go to Renew. I'd if love them to play four action, out one in. I'd I'd love them to and, remove and have him more the on the perimeter. Yes, um, to use his strength more, and that's where I would I would agree with Galen. But when he does post up, that's when I think I would imagine. I don't know synergy numbers, what his points per possession are on post ups or whatever, uh, but I would imagine they could take a little bit of a dip against the the bigger uh, teams. But he's still very effective shooting the three. He's very yeah. effective on the pick and pop. He's very effective in the mid-range when he catches and shoots there going towards the basket, clear of any contact. But post moves, unless he gets an angle, he really can't uh, score effectively against bigger, stronger guys. And that, so there's and that was my point. That. And that was my point. I would love to see them move one of those guys out on the perimeter. They can both knock down shots. I'd love to see them play more out on the perimeter with these guys and pick and pop instead of always being a pick and roll dive or always being a, you know, high, low setup or a double post setup. I would love to have one of those guys on the perimeter drawing attention away and giving them more freedom in the post. We just haven't seen that yet. I mean, often, you know, we've yeah. seen it a couple of times, but not often enough. So Galen, I'm curious, we don't always have the privilege of your presence here on the post game shows. What is kind of the biggest lingering question sitting out there for you now, as we look in kind of the short term of what's next for Indiana? Well, to me, by far, it is, can this team find any modicum of consistency in terms of how they play? Uh, you know, this was the question last year, and they did right around this time. Uh, you know, and we were having very similar questions, uh, you know, slightly different format of the questions, but they went on a five-game winning streak, and then they won, you know, they lost the game versus Maryland, and then they won four out of their next five. You know, what we don't know is who this team really is because we haven't seen them with a fully functional Xavier Johnson. We haven't seen them with CJ Gunn being able to contribute. You know, we haven't seen all the pieces and you can't really make that excuses for what's happened in the past, but it does change my perspective 
on what the future is going to be based upon whether they can take what we saw tonight, clean up some of the bad things, and be consistent moving forward. I mean, they've got a really weird schedule. They have two games coming up that they really need to win, Rutgers on the road and Minnesota at home. And then they have perhaps the worst three-game stretch that you could have in the Big Ten this year. They have Purdue at home, at Wisconsin, at Illinois. Um, That is really, really rough. Um, But if they can find a way to play well through this next five games, I like the way it sets up for them the rest of the way. And look, we know what this team has to do. We know that they're going to have to win a bunch of games in the Big Ten if they want to go to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, losing tonight was probably going to end that as a real possibility, and they didn't. What does this team do now mentally? And can they take what's in their brains and can they put it out on the floor consistently? That's the thing I'm looking at. Yeah. No, well said. One other thing I wanted to mention, you know, Galen, you you mentioned kind of this – the breakout that Malik Renew is experiencing. And it really, when you dig into the numbers, it really becomes impressive. You know, he's a guy who last year used 23% of possessions when he was on the court and his offensive rating was 101, which is fine, you know, especially for a freshman. This year, his usage has gone up to 28.1% of possessions when he's on the court. His efficiency is now 110 his offensive rating, his assist rate is up to 21.8, which is best on the team. His block rate has improved. His fouls per 40 has been cut almost in half. I mean, this, this is what it looks like when a, you know, a highly regarded freshman plays a decent amount as a freshman, but then really steps up and becomes a go-to guy as a sophomore. I mean, you didn't even mention he's shooting 48% from three. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I didn't get uh, all the way over there. <laughs> but but the thing is, the, the, for the people who are like, oh, Mike Wetson doesn't develop anybody, it's like, shut up. Seriously. Um, like, that's that's a great example of a guy who's taken some significant leaps forward. Not perfect. And, you know, you'd love to, his rebounding is the one hole in his game on both ends of the floor right now. Uh, but it's largely because on the offensive end, he's carrying such an offensive burden. He's having to be the primary scorer. Uh, but I'm really excited about Malik Bernou's development leap forward. Like he really is poised to have a big 10 season where he is in contention for, you know, a first team big 10 spot. If he continues to play at the level he's played in three out of the last four games, um, you know, I don't know if he'll get there eventually. A lot of it's going to depend on what's surrounding him, but he's got all the pieces and that is exciting. And I think that that's something that, you know, as much as we criticize certain aspects of this team, and now they haven't necessarily all come together. He is a guy to legitimately get excited about right now if you're an IU fan. So as we look forward, uh, again, we don't have another show before Indiana's next game, uh, which is Tuesday against Rutgers. And in this battle, Coach, we have the number 89 team in Ken Palm, your Indiana Hoosiers, going up against the number 90 team in Ken Palm, which is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, uh, who you know are struggling a little bit here in the, uh, the post-Ron Harper era. Um, they lost to Iowa 86 to 77. Have you coach, have you had a chance to see Rutgers play? I mean, obviously we know going to Rutgers has not been pleasant for Indiana for a long time. Um, and so even though this isn't a vintage Steve Peichel team, we know it's going to be difficult and a dog fight and all that stuff. What do you kind of look at as maybe some things Indiana can take advantage of if they're going to go up there and win that game? Well, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of them. I watched them this afternoon, and they got down big, and then they were able to come back. They got that big fella that I, whose name I can't pronounce uh, in the middle. Um, but, yeah, they uh, 
they typically play solid defense. I have I haven't really taken a dive on on, on their statistics yet and looked at Ken Pompage, but the you know the Jersey Mike racks whatever place is is usually really a difficult place to <laughs> I like the racks arena. I like the, let's, let's get some old fashioned roast beefs in here for the Midwestern crowd. Exactly. Um, speaking of that, I'm hungry, but. Um, <laughs> No, I, I just think I think Galen's point about consistency in many different areas, statistically, and then the thing that I would add that we really need to do is get consistent play off the bench. You know, Gabe Cups only played five minutes tonight, and he wasn't very good in the in the two in in the first half when he played there. C.J. Gunn had a moment, but he had a moment at Michigan, and then it, it dropped. So I would add to Galen's lingering moment about consistency of play off the bench and the consistency of rotations. Uh, that needs to be fixed. If you're going to win on the road, you you have to have that kind of consistency. You have to have the the mental toughness that it takes. It's easy here at home. The crowd's cheering you on. Everyone's yelling at you pregame. Uh, guys are giving you a high five after you hit threes. Everything's fun, um, and, and it does help here. But you're going to need to win some games, and you're probably going to need to win some big games on the road in order to get enough to get into the tournament, and there's no time. The time, time is now. So yeah. – yeah, I'm sorry I can't give you much on Rutgers, but well, here's what I'll tell you about it. Maybe we'll try and do some content before that game. They are all defense, no offense. They are 231st in the country in offensive efficiency. They are 14th in defense. And here's the thing that probably is going to make Indiana fans a little bit nervous. They are top 10 in two point field goal percentage. They are fourth in the country in block percentage. Uh, and so, the, you know, those two things, defending inside because of Omarui. Um, they're really good at, which means Indiana is going to have to find offense elsewhere. And so you're going to need Xavier Johnson to be able to step up and drive and draw fouls and probably McKenzie and Baco and other guys to make shots. If we're going to go up there and get this win. The, the thing that concerns me about Rutgers against Ohio state, the same Ohio state team last week and against Iowa earlier today, they fell behind big and then they just never stopped fighting. And they got within four of this Ohio State team, and they never got that close to Iowa, but I think it ended up finishing as a nine-point game. This is the consistency thing with Indiana. Can you play a full 40 minutes and not let up? Because uh, even in this game, with Indiana up by 10, they let Ohio State back yeah. into it at the end. So this is, the, is going to be a constant battle with this uh, IU team, I think, mentally. Yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on that game before we go to last call? Yeah, just it's it's going to be as always when Indiana plays there. It's about handling the pressure and handling the vibe and the energy and all of that stuff. This Indiana team, when it comes when it starts games well, plays well. You know, I there was there was a you know uh, there have been phases throughout Indiana basketball. Where they, they always start slow, but they always have a great start to the second half. Or, or, or the Auburn game has entered the chat. Well, I mean, that's why I said when you know. I agree. It's not all the time. There are ebbs and flows, but in general, when this team starts well, it plays well. They need to start that game well to get the confidence. And I think it's because it's a young team. You need to have some confidence about how you're playing. You come out and you miss your first seven shots or, or take bad shots or turn the ball over or whatever. Like, I just don't see how this team gets off the mat. I, I think it needs to have a, a consistent effort throughout. And yeah, when you are so reliant on two-point shots and you're playing a really good two-point defense, what does that tell you? You're going to have to hit some shots. You're going to have to go on the road and hit some shots to have a chance in that game. So, again, yeah. it's going to come down to shooting. Which is the thing Rutgers really is really bad at, by the way. All of their shooting numbers are red. 
And that's the one thing. You know, if you do get down a little bit early, they're probably not going to be able to put you away. To run away, not explosive offensively. So this is a really big game for Indiana mentally. This is a game that you win with mental and physical toughness. And if Indiana can bring that, they'll have a good chance. And if they don't, then they may go up there and get punked, which... I mean, when was the last time that we went to Rutgers and didn't get punked? Honestly, feels like that's what happens every time we go up there. So we got to change that narrative. Hopefully, it and you say I'm day. the negative one, Jared. Hey, Jared, I, mean, or I don't know if we're counting Mike Woodson's voting in the uh, the the game ball voting, but he gave the game balls to CJ Gunn and Xavier Johnson. That video oh, okay. just well, popped on Twitter. So there you go. All right. A vote from coach. Very nice. Just Malik renew erasure by that head coach. Middle of his sophomore year, and we're already taking him for granted and not giving him not giving him game balls when he scores like that. We don't Uh, agree, Mike. I know. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. All right, gentlemen, time for last call. Coach, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, sorry. The get I'll make it quick here. The leaf blowers are out, uh, and so there's some background noise. But I'm sitting here watching some IU personnel drain threes out here uh, post uh, post game. Who is it? Sign nice him. Yes. Uh, I, I I don't know yeah, if he needs to, Again, it's not right yet, making but... the shots is not the problem. It's taking the shots. Yeah. I mean, what's going on? So so we yeah, it's been they got a contest going out here, and all I'm seeing is uh, a left-handed threes going in. But anyway, um, and it's not who you think it is. Uh, good win. It was a must-needed win. You lose like you did at, at Nebraska. Everyone's on, uptight. The coaching staff's uptight in film room. The players are uptight. No one's happy. Uh, they're all stressed. Uh, and to add a loss would have been really devastating, not not just for the net and the, and the NCAA tournament selection, but for the, you know, the just the feeling of the team. Uh, this team is not connected, in my opinion. It is not connected in the locker room. It's not con- connected on the floor with the coaching staff message and all of that. That doesn't mean it's anyone being super negative or disruptive. It's just not as connected as I see other college basketball teams. They have a chance to do that. Tonight was the first step. They found a lot of that, and if they play with the intensity and the connectedness, they can win a lot of games, and they're going to need to in order to continue. So this was a good win. I just, I just am not sure it's not an outlier uh, because we haven't seen in 15 games this kind of performance very often. And until you string a few of these together, uh, that's the lingering question. Last call. Uh, happy for the win. It'll be a nice drive home. But I want to see that a similar performance, win or lose, at Rutgers, uh, not the up and down that, that we've seen. You know, and Galen, one game ball that we didn't hand out is to Kurt Signetti, who once again got the Assembly Hall crowd going in the second half, which at what at what point was that? Was that like the under 12 timeout? 15 minutes, or I think it was between 15 and 12. Yeah, so that's right when we got going. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was all him. This, But, you know, hey, IU football lifting up IU basketball. This is just what happens at IU, right? Same we're, as it ever was. We're in the upside down. <laughs> um yeah that's i I mean we need just as much of that energy as we could possibly get let's make it happen no look i think what there you go uh what's (laughs) the the line from season on the brink after they lose the first two games in the big 10 season you know um you know we ever going to catch another fish um you know and they beat i think it was either northwestern or it was one of the one of the small fry within the big 10 and it's like well they caught a fish it's a little one but not one they're going to throw away which is exactly how I feel about this game. Uh, this was a bigger one. This was a win you had to have, but it really loses its value unless you build on it. And so I'm excited that they've got something that they can build on 
let's see them do that on Tuesday. Well said. Ryan, last call. Yeah, I mean, happy about the win. I think there's a lot with this Indiana team to clean up, and, and it's getting late to be learning. You know, and and it's it's getting late in the season to be you know reforming who you are defensively with the rebounds, all that. But this team's got to do it. It's a younger team. I realize that it's been a it's been an up and down, awkward first two months of the season with you know X going down and guys still in trying to figure out their roles. But you know, you're now four games into the Big Ten season. This team needs to figure out who it is. And and I thought that they did a great job in the second half securing this win. Who are they going to be? When they come out against Rutgers, we don't know. And, and by now, I feel like we should know. And so this team's going to continue to develop and continue to hopefully bind together now that it's got its its point guard back. Uh, but but we'll see. I you know I'm still just I, I I'm still kind of just up and up up in the air on this team and what it can be. I think the the ceiling on this team can be incredibly high if it plays the way it's capable of playing and is deployed the way it is should be deployed but the floor can be real low when it's not doing those things. So we're kind of in this weird limbo where you hope they take this win and build on it and, and move forward. Something this program, not just under Mike Woodson, but in the past has had a pro a problem building on success. So now you got to go out and build on this success. Yep. No doubt about it. Obviously it's January 6th. There are no must win games on January 6th. So this wasn't that, but it felt like it coming in. It really did uh, for a lot of reasons and for a lot of the reasons that coach mentioned earlier, um, you know, and at halftime, it really felt like it was an inflection point, a potential inflection point for the season. Uh, and that certainly didn't look very good the first four or five minutes out. But Indiana, again, found a way to dig deep and make the plays that they needed to make. And as you see Malik Renew blossom into a go to guy, if Indiana can get Xavier Johnson back playing like he did tonight, Somewhat consistently. I don't think we'll ever get true consistency from Xavier, but if we can get somewhat of a consistent level of play from him combined with what Malik Renew can do, because by the way, I mean, he put up this this production tonight against a really good defensive front line. Um, and so if Indiana can start getting that, you've got a couple of building blocks to build on, other guys to fill around them. Um, we'll see. Galen made a great point that, you know, you got to build on this for it to really mean something but you needed this win just to have something to build on. And Indiana got it, and now hopefully Tuesday they go out and do something they haven't done in a while, which is win at Rutgers. Uh, but just given the context of the season, it's something that would be very important, and hopefully they'll be ready to take advantage. Okay, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com and join our free newsletter via Substack. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back Tuesday to talk IU hoops again with you once again. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. (laughs) All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. Thought it went really well. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, had to do that to you. Yeah, I was going to say, great job throwing Mark in there. We were texting earlier. Hopefully, he'll be able to come on the uh, on the next IU on Ohio State show. Oh, what about Thursday? Season. I don't know. We'll see. We should try and get him in on Thursday. We, we, we should. I, yeah, we should just reach out to everybody. If nobody replies, we'll just. I think we should just get alcohol and just do an AMA. <laughs> like I legitimately think that's, that's what we should do. We've never done that on the show. Like just done a drinking show. 
You got to do something different and special for 1,000. That's every Crimson Cats show. I mean, I know. I know. We're different. It's... Ryan, I say dumb stuff as it is. I don't know if I need to. That's my point, Coach. It'll be like a super I mean, my goodness. Of... Jeez, oh, Pete. Uh, it's great. Just just make some cocktails and, right. and sit and enjoy and have a nice conversation. Hey, what happened flowing? in the Colts game, by the way? Is they that, lost. Is that still? Oh, they, they, had a, they, they had a fourth and one at the 10. After running Jonathan Taylor the entire way down the field, they took him out. And, and threw a pass to the third string. <laughs> across the of Minshew's body to the third string running back who dropped the ball. And that was well, it. And the other thing is, oh, man. Taylor yeah. kept running out of bounds. Yeah, when they can, they burned a meaning. They burned a timeout on the fourth one before they did the play, which meant they only had two. So they couldn't stop the clock. It was great. Yeah. And, and Taylor, I think it was on second down, had the edge man. and he just had to turn it up field and he easily would have gotten the first down. And he went right out of bounds. It was like, oh, dude. He had like 188 yards or something I saw, and it's, he only needed two more. <laughs> great times. It was like, uh, uh, yeah, but for times. for for the for the thousand, Galen, can you hop on and say hi Thursday on night? What Thursday, Thursday night? night? Should be able to. Um, yeah. Let me double check. Like asking him live with people are here to put. Pressure I mean, on yeah, him. I'm just gonna put, well. pressure put pressure on him. him. I, I got not, I got nothing else to do that night. All right. Um, I, yeah. So it's the only reason you'd come on, you just have Galen nothing else going on. Jared, so. are we are we ready to announce uh, next week's thing? Um, you mean Tuesday night? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's so it should be good. I got to secure childcare. Okay, so, if Jared, but, if Jared, can, should be okay. Don't ever ask that about me. Uh, no, but, but no, if, if Jared can secure childcare, we've got our next uh, Crimson Cast live watch party, and Jared's going to co-host this one. Uh, we'll, we'll have our we'll have a rotation of guests. Normal, we've done it once, but uh, for those of you who have enjoyed those, we've done a couple of them now. Tune in. We'll watch the game together, and then hopefully have better luck than we had for the Nebraska game. That's essentially what we're aiming for. Yes. I did. I, 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 I saw, read that you guys did that or you mentioned something. I went back and watched part of it and I was like, I got to stop watching this. It's <laughs> it's too tough. <laughs> it's rough. Cause I had to relive the game. I know yeah, that's, 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 you guys were great though. So thank it was you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, uh, you can say anything about this if you want, but you guys have a big interview coming on Crimson Cast at some point, which the people are going to really enjoy. <laughs> we have a huge one. Yeah, this is going to be a, a fascinating one uh, in the football realm. For yes. for the, I mean, it was he already tweeted it out. Actually, no, it was Xander Diamant. Oh, we had like a okay. long, long interview, uh, which was it's it's a lot. Let's just put it that way. So I'm only like 30 minutes into it. And it's a lot. It's a lot. There's an hour With him a lot. No. Yeah. Galen, Shocking. Yeah. yeah. Overshooting. It's not out yet, by the way, I'm listening to it. Cause Galen sent it over to me, but it'll be out. And it's definitely, it's definitely one worth listening to. We're prepping. That's for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. Hey, hey Jared, we need to have um, our interns shoot the basketball. Uh, Josh Post just took a shot down here, and it was really bad. I mean, oh, we have guys who write. There's a right for us that that that. We should run him down through here. drills, coach. Coach, we should run him through drills in Bloomington and film it. As Ryan will tell you, I there's, mean, there's a long-standing history of student media not being able to play basketball despite covering it. We've seen it in intramurals for decades now. It's yeah. uh, it's never good. When I was there, it was me, Eamon I mean, Brennan, and a bunch of guys who looked like they'd never tied their shoes before. It was <laughs> – Eamon was the best, though. I mean, I'm I'm a former pretty high-level player. I hadn't played in a long time at that point. Eamon was by far the best. He was better than me. 
uh, I, at that point. I, I'm sure, Galen, that most of your students are better than what I just saw that young man take out here. Look, so, I get it. Uh, I get them all. We'll back, the- I get them all back on Monday. I'll have them do some wind sprints in yeah, Franklin yeah. Hall. We'll we'll get this taken care of. Okay. Yeah. No. You yeah. know, he, I, I got. He's I gotta down here now listening. Here. <laughs> I, I got. I got to give. He's credit. down here listening and giving me a, a little bit of a. a before we go i have to give credit because i i i I just took a shot at all the guys i played that that i I worked with josh weinfuss great three-point shot espn arizona cardinals writer great three-point shot so he gets a he gets a shout out there we go also coach congrats to your son on getting his first technical foul that's a big day we're in a a coach's yeah so we're very very making ryan proud (laughs) very very proud (laughs) so he sends me tape of it too. That's how proud he was. I had to watch the tape. He, he's awesome. so, I might, I might actually upload it. Let me upload, upload this. it and play. Well, we can share Please it. Please do. Uh, oh, share it on assembly, on the assembly it, call account. Come on. Yeah. And it was the weakest. I, 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 I'm, I'm mad because he needed to earn it. He, he, all he oh, did Josh was keep is, asking a question. Josh uh, is commenting you know, now, so, by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen this. He's, yeah. he's making a comment. Oh yeah, there I'm he is. Dress clothes and sneakers. You got sneakers on kid. <laughs> Make your shot. Yeah. <laughs> no no kidding. Oh, man. What no a good excuses. dude that guy is. I I, I do like Josh great. besides his bad jo- shots. Josh is great, great at what he does. Been very impressed with him. Yeah. He is. Just All right. Well, thanks court. for being here, everybody. Galen, thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see everybody. Good night, everybody. Tuesday, if not before. Later, everybody. Have a great weekend. All right. Have a great one. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.